Today's episode is brought to you by the She Leads Podcast Network, the first network for women by women. Visit SheLeadsPodcast.com to learn more today. Today's episode is brought to you by the She Leads Podcast Network, the first network for women by women. Visit SheLeadsPodcast.com to learn more today. Welcome to a journey of empowerment and amplified voices. This is the Creative Visionaries Podcast, your guide to unlocking the full potential of podcasting and beyond. Our vision is bold to empower and amplify voices through creative marketing solutions, expert podcast coaching, and a vibrant, inclusive community. We're your partners in this exciting adventure. Our journey is all about connection, expertise, and realizing your untapped potential. Let us be your guide on this journey as we create an environment that nurtures growth, fosters relationships, and empowers individuals like you to excel in podcasting. Are you ready to take your podcast journey to the next level? Together, let's shape the future of podcasting. Welcome to the Creative Visionaries Podcast. Are you a podcaster wanting to take your show to the next level? Do you want a dedicated marketing team so you can focus on creating great episodes? Look no further than the done for you podcast marketing service from remarker.fm. Stop trying to market your own podcast alone and let remarkers marketing experts handle it for you. Remarker will transcribe your episodes, write detailed show notes, curate shareable quotes and clips, promote your episode across social media and run paid ads all tailored specifically to your show and your audience. You'll get a full podcast marketing team for a fraction of the cost of hiring in-house. Leave the marketing to Remarker so you can focus entirely on podcasting. With Remarker's premium done-for-you service, you'll get unparalleled podcast promotion to help you gain listeners, engagement, and reviews. Go to Remarker.fm to learn more and get 10% off with a promo code creative visionary invest in your podcast growth. Let remarker take you to the next level. Hi everyone. Thanks so much for joining us again on the creative visionaries podcast today. I am super excited to introduce you to our guest Ripley Raider Ripley. Welcome on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Psyched to be here. So, cool. yeah, so tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay, I'm the founder and CEO of Ripley Raider, which is a women's contemporary fashion brand, um, proudly manufactured in Los Angeles, California. And we dress women all over the country. I love that. And so I, in looking at your bio, one of the, well, a few of the things that stood out to me was things that I think are really important in your brand that you have kind of put throughout your content is female empowerment, all American made, and then all inclusive sizing fashion brand. So can you touch on why that is so important to you and your brand? It's funny because I never thought it wouldn't be any of those things. I mean, like women are already amazing. So I just have this unique opportunity to dress them for, for times where they feel the need to be armored up. Mm. Um, and I think that can and be anything from a job interview to, um, to a date, to a christening. I mean, whatever it is, a wedding. And I think like, I just, and I say this often, I'm just icing on an already spectacular cake. Like women, I, in my opinion, women are already like 
we get pushed down a lot, but we're the strongest people around. I mean, yeah. women need to run the the whole show, in my opinion, um, because they're amazing. And <laughs> Who so, run the world? <laughs> I know, literally, it would be run differently. I think this um, podcast but, is, spo- is is uh, sponsored by the Beyonce uh, song. Right? Yeah, it is exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I think there's this level when you work in fashion, you are intimately connected to, you know, even the most powerful CEO might have uh, reservations about her body, the way she wants to, you know, look in clothes. And for me, it's not about how you look. Looking good is easy. Like I can, it's feeling good. That's more important to me. Like I want to dress women in clothes that are comfortable, um, ethically made, obviously that was a, that was a non-starter for me. Um, And then, uh, and, and I want them to feel good, feel powerful, feel strong, um, because that just radiates. You feel that way and you walk into a room and people notice. And it doesn't matter what size you are. It doesn't matter. I mean, hot is hot. I don't give a shit if you're like a size, like a tiny little thing or somebody who's really curvy. Like it's this idea of like, quote unquote, real women. Well, real women are all of us. Real women are the super itty bitty things. Real women are that we're all these real women that want to feel sexy, strong, powerful, and effortless. So that's my goal with my clothes and making in America was just, we, we live in Los Angeles. Um, we have access to incredible factories and our factory is a woman owned factory. And, um, who wasn't, that wasn't the reason I, I, I was glad for it. We were looking at factories and I thought, oh, this is amazing. And so we've worked together like eight years or something like that. So you become family with the people with whom you work, you know, because we're in the same building as them. Yeah, absolutely. And so where did this passion for fashion come from? Well, I've always made my own clothes. So I was a Broadway singer and dancer until I was like 32, I think, or 30. And, um, but I'd made my own clothes my whole life, starting at age 13. And then like in high school, I like sold a few of my pieces and um, and like I made everybody's prom dresses and I made my clothes, but I always said I was never going to monetize sewing because I really enjoyed sewing and I yeah. didn't, I knew if I monetized it, it would change it. So I didn't, I just made my own clothes and I was in LA 10 years later after I'd gotten off a Broadway tour um, I'm at a party. I'm wearing a jumpsuit that I made because I was very poor. So I was like sewing my own clothes. And um, and this the editor, no, 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 a buyer uh, that owned a, a boutique at Fred Siegel, which is like the best boutique in Los Angeles, yeah. said to me, where'd you get this? I said, I make it. And she goes, if you make it, make in America and you sell it for less than $200 retail, I'll sell you. And so I launched. Oh. And then a week later, I was wearing the same jumpsuit. And, um, and the fashion editor for Los Angeles magazine, Linda Mediato came up to me and she was like, where did you get this? And I was like, crazy story, Linda. I think I'm going to be launching a Fred Siegel. And then she was like, oh my gosh, well, I'll do a story on you. So let's get you on some, you know, some people. So it was wild. It was just, and so the thing I did for money was now the thing I do for fun. So I get to take like a dance class a week still, just because I enjoy doing it. Yeah. And, um, and now I don't get to sew as much as I'd like to sew, um, but I have a bunch of people who are uh, much more talented than I am that do all of the the sewing and and well, I still get to design those pieces, which is well. Awesome. And it sounds like you you are in like a transition in your life, right? Like you've done the creative and you've done the design and the growth and all this stuff, and now you're mentoring and 
and coaching and growing a whole nother generation. Yeah, with- but only through my work. So I don't, <laughs> um, I think if I can continue to kick ass in my work and create an environment where young women feel empowered to work with me, work for me, um, build their own companies, um, because I don't really have, I'd much rather my work speak for me. It's wonderful in that like my collection, we shoot my collection every season and it, there's no branding on it. My face isn't anywhere. It's just good quality things. And so I much rather always have my work speak for me. And, you know, and then in regards to teen girls, like, and anyone you can out talk, out talk anyone, but you can't really out observe them. So if you are, if you are a hustler and you work really hard, Mm. it's inspiring, it's inspiring to somebody else. For sure. And it's amazing how like kind of the sequence of stories, how everything just falls into place, right? It's almost like divine interference or whatever it is, right? Like you happen to be at this one place wearing this jumpsuit and met this one person. It's like all of these pieces just start to come together. And so I love, I think that's a, a common, a common journey for entrepreneurs, right? Like we feel like we hustle, hustle, hustle. We're doing all the things. We're just kind of, you know, trying to put everything together. And then it's like when we least expect it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. it just, yeah. It just go. It, it just happens. It yeah, it does. It does. You know, I mean, isn't it Oprah that says something like luck is when timing meets preparation. Mm, yes. What, you know, that's what it is truly. Uh, and so how long ago was it that this happened that you, you started so, really exploding in your business? Well, 10 years ago, we launched the business. Um, and then I brought my husband on three years later to help run it. So we're a family business. And then, um, in the past two years, the company just exploded. So, um, it's been, I mean, post pandemic really, um, it's yeah. been like being on a rocket ship. So it's a, it's a cool, it's cool. I'm really enjoying it. Did you ever think that your, um, clothing line would be worn by somebody on like TV or fashion stars or any of those things like the today show and like all these cool things that you have so far? Yes. I've always thought I would like make something of myself. Um, what, in whatever way it's like, I always knew I would live in a big city, probably in a loft and wear black all the time. Like I had a feeling that was going to be me even, I mean, I come from a very, very small town in West Virginia. Um, so I, I knew I would, my, it was cultivated in my family that to, to be able to, you know, to get out and, and not be afraid of the world, you know? And, um, so I always sort of knew, I have delusional self-esteem. So like, I just, I was sort of like, in my mind, I was like, of course, somebody who's gonna, I mean, this is my whole thing. Celebrities are like anybody else or these famous fashion people. It's like, I know if I feel good in something, someone else is gonna feel good in it. It's the same way with starting a company. Like I started this company, like, because, because some other, like, like another person much less qualified than me has started a company before. So if they can do it, why, of course I can do it. And so that's the thing with my clothes. It's like, we all want to feel the same way. And then some people just have larger, larger stages to stand on, you know, more lights on them, but they all really just want to be comfortable. Really? Like when they're walking the red carpet, everything like so many of celebrities have said to me, like, I just, I just am so comfortable in your, in your clothes, (laughs) which is so convenient. Yeah. And it's like, um, it's awesome that, that what you do makes an impact on people's lives, not only how they look and how they feel and how they are able to, you know, 
by wearing your clothes, feeling confident in themselves, they can be successful business owners or they can be, you know, famous on the red carpet or whatever it might be yeah. and re really, really lean into who they are and feel confident because of the clothes that they're wearing makes them, you know, that empowered feeling, right? So I love that you bridge the gap um, of, oh, of that thanks. creativity and, mm -hmm. you know, making people feel good. And then there's success that comes from that. You just, it's, it's a different, you make a difference. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I do think, I mean, like I said before, you know, clothing is, is, I feel very, I mean, I feel lucky to be in this industry, but it can be really, um, it can be sort of silly. And then it can also be, um, fabulous and all it, artsy. It's all the things. And so yeah. I wanted my position in the, I don't play the fashion game. Like I don't do fashion shows. I don't do any of that stuff, but I did want to make sure I was able to dress as many women in America or in the world as possible. That's the yeah. goal. Yeah. Um, not just for sales, but because I know that they'll like them mm -hmm. and, and it's a luxury, it's a luxury item. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a $200 pair of pants. It's a $200 jumpsuit because we make in America and we use really good fabrics. Um, yeah. and I recognize that that is a splurge for for most people and so it better be good it better be made perfectly you better be able to wear it for years i mean that's the goal yeah how do you so you you talk about all inclusive sizing so how do you from a creative perspective how do you make the same outfit fit and wearable for all different sizes i'm just curious because i know like i saw on the the today show one of your jumpsuits was featured and there was a petite young girl and then there was a, a curvy woman right and so it's yeah. like how do you make i i don't know i'm just i'm so curious how you make it fit for all sizes well if it doesn't look good on all sizes it's not the body's fault it's the designer's fault and they don't know what they're doing um and so <laughs> i for me it's all about proportion so it, it should absolutely look the same, no mm. matter if you're a size, you know, a size eight or a size two or a size 16 or a size four, the proportions have to be right. And it's when you can't apply a one size fits all to, to clothing. Yes. And so yes. when we, when we extended our sizing, which was a couple of years in simply because we didn't have the money where I'm, I'm self-funded. So, um, we didn't have the money to expand the SKUs. It's like for the longest time, I didn't have a, a size small. I only oh. had an extra small and a medium because I'm a medium and my best friend is an extra small. So those are the only two sizes we had for like a year. Um, and so as a company, we, we take very small steps because I don't wanna be a flash in the pan. And yeah. so we did extra small through large for, about, for probably three or four years until we could get enough capital to continue the sizing. And when we did that, we went back to the drawing board to make sure everything, um, and it's our core collection, uh, which is my favorite, um, all my favorite pieces. And we redesigned all of them to make sure that the proportions were perfect on all bodies. So cool. Yeah. That was so cool. I mean, and this I idea that like, no matter your size, like you, everyone wants to feel hot. Like yeah. it's a ridiculous thing to think that only like, you know, and I think a lot of contemporary clothing brands, my size do not do inclusive sizing. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of it is financial realistically. I know a lot of founders and, um, but I'm a little bit like, I don't know, you're in fashion. Like, isn't it your job to dress everyone? I don't know. It seemed like a, a silly thing. Yeah. You know, 
And I love that you mentioned the one size fits all because in my experience, one size does not fit all. <laughs> oh my gosh. One size fits no one. I mean, no like one. it's the worst. I won't do any of like, even our caftans are, um, are sized. We don't do, I don't do anything one size fits all. I can't be bothered with that. It's so ridiculous. It's a very cheap way of produ- production. Yeah. So that's why they do it. But that makes not, sense. Our brand is not that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love how you have talked about kind of the, the creative, the creativity and the creative process and how you went on to monetize that. Can you talk a little bit more about how you feel like you really monetize this creative brand? Yeah, it's funny. I want to do a Ted talk on monetizing creativity because I think we're conditioned to believe that if you're good at something and you're creative and and you can do it very well, that you have to monetize it and make a living off of it. And coming from someone who has always done that from my Broadway career to now fashion, I, I think there's power in being very good at something, loving it and keeping it in that space. And then possibly having a job that you don't care as much about that can feed your creative endeavors. Um, That said, um, I think from someone who's monetized their creativity again and again, it does, it gives you a different kind of purpose every day because you feel deeply connected to it. Um, And so probably to an unhealthy degree for most artists turned CEOs, but I think that there is a sense of, of, of feeling on purpose that I think is more powerful than money. It's more powerful than anything. And so I think that that is a real, that's the biggest gift in monetizing creativity is, and like, how did I work for eight years without a paycheck? (laughs) Like, because I believed in something, I felt passionate about it. Um, I loved the purpose in it. And I think that's probably the biggest gift of, of, of monetizing something that you're passionate about because it does get you up every day. It drives you every day um, differently than, than if you're working at a job that you don't feel any emotional connection to. Yeah. But I think there's two sides of that coin. I think it's, I think it wouldn't be bad to say, oh my gosh, you love doing pottery. You should just do pottery for fun, enjoy it. And then you don't have to pay your rent doing it. Yeah. You know, there's that. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I do think that there's um, like two sides to everything or multiple sides, but I yeah. do, I think that if you're going to monetize it, you better also have the relationship with whatever it is that you're doing creatively, that you are willing to watch it become something that is not um, about you anymore. Mm. Like, like this company is a machine. Like now we have um, multiple factories we're sold all over the United States. We have all these employees. We're in this big space and I walk in and it's my name on the door, but it is not, it is a, we Ripley Raider is like this brand. And the thing is like, it might be my name on the door, but every single person who works for me feels, or they're, we're all part of this incredible team, this family, um, that makes it happen. So like they have, they should be getting just as much credit as I am because they, are amazing. My team is amazing. Well, and I think what you just touched on right there is what sets you apart from so many CEOs, business owners, and leaders is that 
it's not just about you, right? It's about your team. It's a collective um, approach that you look at the success as not I, right? It's we. No, yeah. And, and no, I'm I, the one who messes up the most out of anyone. <laughs> they just are like, well, Ripley did this. So it's you're like, Ripley, up. no, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Let us do it. <laughs> True. Literally, yes. <laughs> and so I think that when you take that approach, right, in a business and or anything that you do, when, when it's collectively, you know, grown or has passion and purpose behind it, I think it makes the greater difference because then the success is almost sweeter, if you will, you know, to get to where you are. Yeah. Yeah. You have to hire well, you have to hire really, really well and, um, and surround yourself with people that are better than you are, that are, that are better. You are uh, smarter than you are, Mm -hmm. um, more capable. And I've, and, and I've done that with our team. Um, everyone who's, who's, got their role kills it. They do an incredible job. And, and that's because I don't micromanage them. I hire them and I don't need to be on top of them because I know that they will, um, they will do what it takes to make things happen, which is awesome. And with that, they're invested in, in the growth and success. So they're more willing to make things happen. Right. It's yeah. like, yes, if you the give hope. them, <laughs> yeah, if you give them that autonomy and the, the belief and understanding, then they're more likely to be invested in, in the, the success of the company. And so it just makes it all around a better situation. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're all at work eight hours a day, or, I mean, I work, I work probably too much, but my team, we're all there for about eight hours together. Yeah. And like, I think, oh my gosh, that's a huge portion of your life. Like mm. it's my company. So like, what can I do to make sure that the people who have, who have to come in to work to every day to pay their bills and all that stuff, yeah. um, that they're not miserable. Like, yeah. like we just moved into a new space because it had a ton of windows and our old space didn't. And I just kept thinking like, my team needs to see the sun. They yeah. need to see the mountains. They need to see that. Um, it's important. It's a lot of your life. And mm-hmm. you can determine like, and, and so many people, particularly men would say to me, when you get big, you're going to do it this way. And I'm like, well, we're big and we still do like yoga classes in the morning. I mean, like before work, that. like yeah. there's a, we're, we have like theme days where we all were like, you know, like, like Western wear, you know, I mean, it's just <laughs> this idea of like, well, you can create whatever you want to create yeah. it's the culture. You are in charge of creating that culture. And so it's a little bit like, okay, then why do we, we don't have to subscribe to the way things were done before no. um, because there's a lot of mistakes in those. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of work environments where people cannot be human. Mothers cannot be mothers because they can't, they can't get away to pick up their kid if they're sick because they're worried mm. they're going to get fired. Yeah. That obviously we're a company that makes clothes for women and like we would have to be, I mean, the thought of like my team not being able to like let see her son in one of my one of my teammates um like in a play that like what a bummer what a crappy life like I don't want to yeah. be that you know and yeah. I and we won't be which is great I love that yeah same yeah. And, and that's that's part of the reason why I started my own business as an entrepreneur is to be able to make my own schedule and you know make a difference in in what I'm doing using the creativity that I the skills that I have and have you know my children be a priority or, you know, family yes, life be a priority. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Any sort of, and I think that's, that's like with our business, it's like, you know, 
there's gotta be, there's a humanness to it. Um, and I, I will not sacrifice that as even as we grow and grow and grow. Yeah. Well, so one of the final questions I want to ask you is I want you to touch on this growth. So we've talked about, you know, you started your business, what was it? 10 years ago. Mm And you've gotten to this point now where you are successful, right? You're mm-hmm. making a difference. You're in, you know, on TV, you have, um, you know, celebrities wearing your, your clothes. So what is, what is, how, what advice can you give entrepreneurs who are kind of in the middle, right? Like they're, they're in the grind, they're trying to get to that successful point. And, and what would you say to them? Like, what's the in-between that's missing well, that they don't hear? Yeah. I mean, I think they have to keep working like also the success, uh, goals and whatever the finish line moves. So you get something and then you're like, Oh, but how cool it would be if I got X, Y, Z. Um, and so I think that the key for me, at least, um, when I, and I was in the grind for many, many years was that I, and my husband and I both, we celebrate every victory. And it can be a small victory. Like our orders used to be like three orders a day. If we got four orders a day, we celebrated. And it wasn't with money. It was just an, it was an, it was an, it was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like, <laughs> I think it's very easy to see yourself as small. Everyone, I was, you know, I'm small. I'm little thing. It's like, well, we're all small to we're not small. Yeah. So I think it's really important in the journey of the grind to find your successes and celebrate them, note them, mark them. Mm-hmm. And then it goes, oh my gosh. Then those little, like, I don't know, the successes do grow a little bit, you know, that yeah. there, there are some pretty incredible like successes I've had that I'm like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. But <laughs> at the same time, you, you decide you want to do something else. I mean, the goal, it's like the finish line moves and you go, yeah. Ooh, what's the next goal? I'm never content. So I'm always like, what's the next thing? <laughs> Um, but I, I do you think, there. When, yeah, it's it. It's so true. But I think when you're in the grind, you have to just keep connected to why you're doing it and just know that like, you know, not every day is great, <laughs> you know, but I do think that there's a beautiful, beautiful payoff if you're willing to, um, to keep your head down and work, um, and stay, I, I think you really have to be dedicated. I think they're, like when you feel like you're flailing, like take a walk and, and find my best friend always says, you've got to find the essence of you. Like you have to find the essence of what this is. And so I think it's like, clear your head and then get back to work. And then when you get that tiny victory, you get that one phone call, you get whatever, celebrate it, note it and don't play small. You know, one of the things that I've learned over my journey as an entrepreneur is that Typically when there's resistance, whether it's resistance in you or growth in your company, that, that just means there's something great on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of my teenagers said to me, Ripley, there's no comfort in growth. And I was like, you're you're so so wise. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. I love it. Well, Ripley, I am so honored to have you as a guest and to be able to share your story and share, you know, your advice and your tips and, and guidance for our listeners. So how can people, yes, thank you. So how can people, um, learn more about your brand or follow you? And 
I mean, I think, you know, our website, ripleyraider.com and then um, Instagram, of course, shop Ripley Raider. Um, I have my own one, which is Ripley Raider. Um, and uh, that's a, it's sort of a cool journey. You get to see like my process, loving, hating, loving again, <laughs> everything I do. Um, and with the brand, it's, it's a good way to sort of explore what we do as a company. Um, social media and websites seem to be the best place to get to know us you know, on the day, on the day today. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you you. so much. And I just love being able to connect with you. Yeah. Ditto. Ditto. This was lovely. Thank you so (laughs) much. Thanks so much for listening to the creative visionaries podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review or share with a friend. Also make sure to visit us online at creativevisionariespodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And stay tuned for more episodes to come. And remember, it's time to tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary.